Today, I'm speaking with Jake Warren, photographer, podcast host, and creator from Alberta, Canada. Now, Jake, I first came across your work in a, in a Facebook group. Uh, after talking for a bit, I've learned that you've worked on some pretty big films in the past in the props department, and you've since branched out into multiple creative avenues. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you got into props and working on films in general? Yeah. So I grew up in Bellingham, Washington, originally, and my parents, uh, mom was a nurse, father was Army Reserve and worked for the county parks. So like I had zero creative background <laughs> within my immediate family. I had an uncle who was a great painter and musician, and like that's about it for the family. But I hated school, and then I discovered you can go to school for filmmaking. And I'd already like had this intrigue for photography and a little bit in video. We never yeah. had great computers, so... That was technically a little out of reach for me, but I always experimented with photography and frames and playing in Photoshop and stuff. So went up to Vancouver to go to film school there. And right when I graduated was when I think Ontario, yeah, the province came out with their tax break. So like all of the work in Vancouver dried up, right? Like, oh yes, <laughs> there was, yeah, this was what, 2011, 2012 in that time frame. So like there was legacy shops closing, closing down. I thought it was the wrong thing. But, um, you know, managed to get a couple PA days on this indie shoot um, that was going on, this indie feature, and hated that. Again, thought, I've made the wrong move. I'm in the wrong industry. Like, I was like, yeah. I'd rather do something, like, work at the grocery store than PA because of how you get treated. No respect. Asked to do impossible things. So then, actually, a friend of mine from film school who I went to class with, he calls me up one day. He's like, hey, you're from the States. You know about guns? You want to prop this movie with me? <laughs> I'm like, that's great. That's your thought process? Like, USA, Jake, guns, cool. Um, Perfect. Yeah. I, and, and surprisingly, from having a father with a military background, like, we never had firearms in the house. I did, actually didn't know that much. I knew some basic safety etiquette, but I'm like, I don't know about guns. But okay, sure. Like, it was just the two of us on this, uh, another independent film. Uh, but it had some big names attached. Like, we had Ron Perlman. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who people might know as Gus from um, Breaking Bad. Uh, a couple, Ron Eldard, who played the uh, Black Hawk helicopter pilot and Black Hawk Down. Yep. Um, and what's his name? Bo Murchoff. I think he's kind of a rising star at that time. And it was so fun. Like, you know, having only a couple days of PA experience and then jumping into, all right, now you're on set and you have to like, you know, gack up. Ron Perlman as this police detective. We're setting squibs because we were also like overlapping light special effects. So yeah. my friend had some tickets to to do that. So I'm like running smoke and propping everything. Um, director, <laughs> yeah, it was craziness. And they didn't even have enough money to pay me for all the days. So sometimes I'm like volunteering a day because it's just yeah. busy and hectic. And you know, you're only getting like 200 bucks a day yep. starting out. So um. But I had so much fun. And me and the DP, Brandon, uh, Brandon Cox, he's he's such a great guy, too. And he, he we had this fun relationship with the smoke because he loved using a lot of it, and especially being a detective thriller horror kind of movie. You know, it's really smoky and eerie. Yeah, nice. So I'd be, you know, trying to do stuff, and then I'd hear him shouting from the village, you know, like, Jake, smoke, smoke. <laughs> like, I would run out and do that. Um, and then we just kept rolling with it. After that, he got some jobs, uh, or my friend, this is from film school, he got some jobs prop mastering, like Hallmark movies, movie of the week stuff. So we're shooting a feature film in like 14 days, you know, it's just absurd and asinine. 
And we got in with this one company who were doing, it was like four or five movies in, you know, two months or something like that. And so then it's two of us, but he's like prepping the episode, hand it off to me. And then he's in meetings prepping the next film. It's it's kind of shot like yeah. episodic television, right? But there's just two of us and a budget to bring in a helper for, I don't know, three out of 14 days or something ridiculous, you know? And so that's really how I learned filmmaking, learned the department. And it really connected well with my mentality. Because growing up, I was the kind of kid in high school and college who got a new job every like six months or something because I'd kind of yeah. learn the routine of the job, get bored. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to make pizza anymore. I don't want to pick up golf balls anymore. You know, like, cool, this is it, day in, day out. Yeah. And um, props was so different because yes, you're making movies. You're showing up, there's cameras, there's lights. There's a routine that happens to making a film but I'm having to learn completely different things every time. You know, you're going from one scene where you're gacking up a, you know, I don't know, a SWAT breach into some little building. And then you're going to cook like a five course fancy meal at a restaurant. And then you're gacking up people on the streets who are passerbys in the background. And like, there's so many things to pay attention to and to look yeah. at. And, you know, initially I think like everyone who gets into filmmaking, we have a love for cameras. We like framing things up, finding good lights. I mean, that's definitely a big draw. But I noticed that a lot of the camera and lighting people never learn much about what's happening in front of the camera. You don't get to learn. Yeah, you don't get to spend the time with the actors. You're not as involved with the blocking. You don't really have much that you yourself are putting forward or having to react to. Mm. You know, you generally have someone just kind of barking out your orders. Go put yeah. that light there. I don't know. Put a scrim on this. <laughs> How do we get rid of the shadow? You know, that's maybe that's, yeah, you know, maybe that's some of the most creative you get is when someone asked that yeah I don't know sorry I feel like I'm straying from the question a little no no that's okay I mean that that's that's like every film student's dream yes to to go from okay I just finished finished school to now I'm working with these top names on on short films and and just getting to be thrown in there and Mm. I mean it can be it can be terrifying but what a what an experience and what a reward for knowing the right people and doing the work and and putting yourself out there so that's amazing that's that's really really cool <laughs> thanks it it totally feels like it was just luck and chance and you know i think it was great having such big names attached to the first thing you're on because you immediately humanize everybody from there on yeah you know i'm like okay wow it's ron perlman or this is gus you know and then you're like, oh, but he's just a person. Yep. You know, like one of my first interactions with Ron, we were having to gack him up and I come out and I'm like, here's your holster and your gun and stuff. And then he looks down at the holster and the gun and everything. And then he looks back at me, he's like, kid, I'm left-handed. We don't have any left-handed holsters. Yeah. Nothing. Like, how am I going to deal with this? You know? And, and that to me was just that first lesson in humanizing people. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah, there's this character. There's all these things that we need to do. But at the same time, this is just a dude. Yep. He's he's right-handed or left-handed. He eats this or doesn't, you know, he's tired, whatever. Like all of the same things that happen to me are happening with this guy. That's and awesome. it immediately sort of deflated any of that celebrity awe in a way that you would ever yeah. get. Like, okay, you know, been on big things, but whatever. And also yeah. he was short, you know, he's like <laughs> up to my shoulders. So you're also like, oh, wow, Hellboy is here a lot of people are a lot shorter than than you think they are 
exactly. when you meet them in person. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyhow, that was that was great. So we got into those. Just to summarize the journey, I guess. Um, we got into the Hallmark movies, movie of the week. We would do the odd like music video or something in there too. And then um, we got our first big break going on to the CBC series. And there's a union in Canada here called the ACFC. Mm-hmm. Um, they're much smaller than IATSE, which is the big North American union. Uh, a lot of Canadian-based shows will use ACFC talent or be non-union. And so we did this show, it's called Strange Empire. And it was set in the 1860-something in like what would be Canada above Montana. Yeah. back then i'm not sure what they called it then but, yeah and and that was a really big test because this was by far the biggest thing we'd ever done it's going to you know a big network right, right off the bat you know like it's not like we're shooting this and then it's shopping around for distribution it's like no cbc it's already yeah, it's, it's going to air we have dates like yeah yeah things it's are rolling <laughs> yeah and high stress right because of those dates right yeah. like you're already committed to these airing dates and all that's this. right and then having to build everything around it, that was my first experience with um, everything that happens around the film, marketing it and stuff. Like we made a bunch of really interesting, strange props for that. And so you're also having to schedule time for those to go off and get like digitized and photographed and stuff because they were putting together some interactive web thing to help explore the different worlds of characters. And okay. yeah, but at the same time, you're like, but we need that thing on Friday, <laughs> you know, because we got a scene coming up. So yeah. It, it really showed me how much um, how much really goes on behind the scenes, uh, even when you are behind the scenes, you know, like there's another layer of behind the scenes from from what you're doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, you would know from your producing experience for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, so many layers of every aspect. And whether it's whether it's in front of the camera or behind, there's layers to every every department, every facet to bring it all together has so many different layers to it that you until you kind of get involved with it you really don't know Mm -hmm. and and that's one of the beauties that I love about producing is that getting that aspect of trying all these different things or having to solve all these little problems or challenges that have come up and the rewarding feeling afterwards of being like wow, we made that come together. We made that happen. Like we created this. Yeah. yeah. And it and it always feels like it's not happening in the moment. You know, like everything's falling apart. You're like, we're never going to get this done. It's going all wrong. <laughs> yes. Yep. And then it's like, oh, wow, we're done. It's over. Everything worked out great. <laughs> yeah. Right. And sometimes even better. I don't know. Um, and so that taught me a lot about also just holding things lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, there's a plan here's how we would ideally want everything to happen. But like, it, it doesn't always happen that way. And so unfortunately throughout that series, my friend, it, it showed that it was just too much for the two of us. Like we didn't know enough about how to run a props department. Cause it just been two of us sure. making it up. Yeah. You know, and like these other shows didn't really care. And it's such easy propping that, yeah. you know, you're like, here, get a cup. It's just normal everyday stuff today time. Yeah. But now you're having to make everything period um that's a big challenge yeah so we didn't know stuff like oh, let's age everything down or we're like going around antique stores being very literal like how do we buy a thousand tin mugs and then just like throw them in a washing machine with a bunch of dye or something and like beat them up and so those cracks started to form and show and so they brought in a different prop master who was a lot more experienced mm-hmm. who had done um what was that show arctic air i think 
it's one about like it was a scripted semi-documentary series i think it was also a cbc thing um i remember the title yeah but it ran for a while and it shot there so the prop master who did that it was the same production team and they trusted him and he did a good job there so they brought him in and he kind of took over and then i i worked under him for a long time we did some other independent stuff and he's the one who actually started to get me into the IATSE union because he had got offered to do what was that show oh i can't remember anyways some like sci-fi futurey thing that shot out in the hills in north van and like i had no interest in that and i thought i had this other opportunity to go uh do something fun in new york so i kind of like peeled off it's like no 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 i'm done i'm gonna go chase this other thing over in new york and like see yeah. you guys later <laughs> and then of course that failed and I kind of like drag myself back to Vancouver. Um, <laughs> I felt like a, a puppy with a tail between my legs. Oh, no. But at that time, so while I'd been doing all this props work, I had also started making wedding films with a friend in Bellingham because the work had dried up in, in Vancouver, right? So there, was, there wasn't stuff to do. This friend had some paying work. It was mostly editing. So I could just kind of sit around home, cut together stuff. Yeah. And during that time when I was in New York, he was down in Mexico. Uh, he had got a gig doing some filmmaking or teaching filmmaking down there. And so he invited me down. We did a little teaching together and we decided to pursue uh, some more like small business web videos and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like I guess low, low budget commercial yeah. filmmaking. Right. So that's about the time. Like I started to have these two parallel careers going on. Cause we got more serious with it, made our like proper production company and, yeah. you know, started to try and get clients, which neither of us were good at. Um, so thankfully I could like jump back to Vancouver and the props and, uh, yeah. and do some projects for a while. But before I had gone, that prop master had written this really nice like letter of recommendation for the union to get me in. Cause they weren't letting a lot of people in then, right? Like yeah. there wasn't a lot of work. They still had all these, you know, big list of things and steps and I had done most of it. And so I just went in, I literally had a stack of paper, probably like five inches thick. That was like all of my pay stubs from days that I had worked, copies of resumes, this and that, like everything that they needed, all my tickets and my yeah. pal and the, all the stuff that you need. And I remember I went into the IATSE union and just like flopped it on the front desk. I'm like, <laughs> here's my application packet, you know, Wow. That, <laughs> intentionally yeah. made it massive too. So I'm like, hey, if you want to know that I've worked, like, look here, yep. I've worked, That's right. I know what I'm doing. Um, and I have this glowing letter, you know, saying let this man in ASAP, essentially. Yeah. That, that's, that's a great thing to have. Absolutely. Because I heard later, it was so me and my friend Anthony, who had been working together with this prop master, and we're both getting in from him. Yeah, I heard later we were the only two from the, like the prop meeting when they looked over resumes. Wow. Like, you guys were the only two. And literally because there was a letter from another member who said, yeah, these guys are good. I'll vouch. That's awesome. That, that's yeah. to have. Yeah. And I had a laugh because I still didn't have my like onset firearm safety course thing done. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you have to get your pal, which is through the province and that's all yep. separate. But then the, the film union had their own course, but like none were available. The guys who teach it are their armorers and they were on set every day because everything was shooting with guns at that time. So it was yeah. like, when, when you going to learn? You get a chance to actually go and, and take the course that's required when the people who run the course are also busy getting like out there doing their own projects as well yeah and they don't want to spend their saturday teaching and talking about <laughs> stuff <Nope. laughs> like they want to have a life um but anyways we got into that and i started on this show what was it called second chance okay Some, it was like this failed 
Fox TV series that didn't really go anywhere. But I remember it was the props team who had done a bunch of work on The Revenant here in Alberta. Okay. And yeah. so I'm like walking in the props truck and here's like one of the little, you know, slate covers from The Revenant. Like this is the big leagues, you know, <laughs> like these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. I think I had always chased that union world because I wanted to know like what what is it like to work on the, the biggest things? Does more yeah. money, more time do all like I imagine this great luxurious space, you know, where we're all sitting around eating lobster every day and like, <laughs> you know, we'll get 10 shots today and like <laughs> that's gonna be it. And um no, so quickly, I think throughout my entire experience, always trying to level up within the union to like, what's the bigger show? What's the bigger yeah. show shooting here? You know, a point to before we started recording, you're talking about networking and how you've been trying to focus on that a lot now. And yeah. honestly, that was what allowed me to grow within the union and to work on a lot of these bigger productions. Mm -hmm. I never really had a team that I worked with specifically. Yeah. And I made a point to go around and day call in different places, either you know, like people, there would be an informal network of everyone just sort of texting each other. Hey, are you available? Or do you know someone available this day yeah. or, or whatever? And then there was the formal network where like the union hall calls you up and Hey, are you available tomorrow or right now? Like yeah. It was often last minute. <laughs> always right now. Yeah. The union hall is always last minute. They're like, Hey, right now, can you get in your car and be here? You're like, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That allowed me to really go around and just work my way up to different things. And then I was actually back down in Mexico and got a call from someone They're like, Hey, I'm calling from this show. Uh, oh, what they call it? Caribbean blue. And we need like someone to help out for a few days or maybe the rest of the shoot. I don't know. Give us a call back. And you know, I'm in Mexico. I'm kind of like chilling on vacation. I'm like, Oh, Caribbean blue, <laughs> you know, and I get back and there wasn't much happening. So I was like, Oh, you know, I could use some work. Why don't I just call those people back? call him back and it turns out that was the code like the code name for um or the working title for deadpool 2. Oh. and that's when i suddenly was like i need to get on this right like that was yeah. the quest i'm like the only reason i'm getting in the union is to try to get on big stuff right. you know because after years of doing a lot of um you know smaller things or especially the straight to tv or mm. hallmark stuff like you know you'd go to family events and stuff people are like what are you working on I'm like, oh this funny hallmark movie with whoever and they're like cool and they just sort of turn and you know yeah. do something else so I always wanted those bigger named things so that I could uh you know mention something and they're like yeah. oh my god you were on that tell me stories and, yeah um, and I mean that's like one of the one of the biggest productions that you could have worked on <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah but I think so there was two experiences though one was before that I I go I was on the truck for the first season of Riverdale and like within the first couple weeks of going to camera, uh, one of the uh, executive producers who was really leading a lot of the, um, I guess, the production on that died of a heart attack. And it just kind of threw the rest of the production into some chaos. Like, I don't know if it actually did, but it felt like from that moment forward, everything sure. was just a little chaotic and like, who knows what's happening. Yeah. And then as the show started to get released, you know, it, it became really popular all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So the cast got really famous and you saw this shift happen in the whole atmosphere there where suddenly it wasn't fun to be there and people start sort of showing up late and just, you know, you're like, man, this just sucks. There's suddenly pressure around everything and people have egos welling up because they're like, I'm now the this and this on some, you know, popular show. Yeah. And I didn't really like that. Mm -hmm. And then on Deadpool, 
as fun as it was, it also showed me that it doesn't matter how big the movie is, how big the names are attached to it, how many days you have to shoot units, anything like you still have the same struggles as every other production. There's the same number of hours in a day. You're trying to coordinate, you know, a bunch of creatives, which is just chaos, right? Like, <laughs> oh my God. And um, yeah, and then I was on set for that day when um, S.J. Harris, uh, the stunt bike rider, passed away. So like, that was literally first thing I'm setting up. I was supposed to be resetting the ice cream cone because she yeah. comes out of the convention center and buzzes past this little ice cream stand. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to like knock that over and then off she goes. So we were doing a rehearsal shot and like literally she comes out of the door. I watched the guy drop his ice cream like he should. I'm like, cool, great. And I turned to like grab the reset on the cart behind me. And that's when I heard the smash tinkle. And I'm like, that's not like, there's no action really scripted here. And especially yeah. after that, like it was just this L turn. And you know, you look over and you see the bike on the street. It doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, and of course they, I mean, they didn't tell us that day, but it was pretty clear. I, That's so sad. Yeah. It kind of put a pause on my ambition in a way, caused me to question, okay, what does it actually mean to like climb this ladder? Yeah. You know, through the world, through that union world. Cause I'd always thought I want to produce and make stuff, but at the same time, the best producers I had worked for had worked their way up from like bottom level jobs. They had yeah. done multiple different positions on sets. They'd been on union stuff, non-union stuff, commercials, all of it. And um, so they had this really well-rounded understanding about production and they were often calm, chill. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like chaos. It's going to be fine, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that kind of put a, a, a pause on some of that ambition. And like, I had just been day calling because I, I was too burned out from you know working six months straight on a show yeah right like that's just asinine and and so hard on your body yeah so anyhow that's when i i started pivoting i guess right yeah i'm not sure how that question ends there but no that's that <laughs> i feel like i've just rambled on. okay that was that was a great recap thank you so much so jake what are what are you doing now i, I know you have a podcast of your own uh, i know you've really gotten more into photography so what are you what are you doing these days? Yeah. So I guess in that struggle, I also had some health issues come up in in the pandemic times. So that whole break was actually really welcomed me to me. Like I was already planning to take a month or two off and then everything just shut down. So I'm like, cool, great. Like right. I, I don't want to do anything for a couple of months anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I just started to have this problem with what I was making, right? They're working on these entertainment products. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the distributors, Netflix and all of them, like everyone's just calling it content. I watch the way most people are consuming this stuff and either they're completely zoned out of life, sitting on a couch or sitting in a chair on their phone, whatever, kind of isolating themselves from the world, mm -hmm. watching this stuff, or they're just putting it on as background noise while they vacuum or cook or something, you know, like people aren't really watching this. Yeah. You know, or if they are, I feel bad because they're like addicted and they're not getting out and exploring the world. You know, like I love traveling in between my shows too. Yeah. Um, so it caused me to step back from the entertainment world of it. And with having almost zero backup plan, I just fell into what I had been doing. Like, okay, well, businesses, like 
they need stuff. I had got more into photography just because the post workflow is so much simpler, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's, it's a shorter day, right? Like when you could charge $500 and work for, you know, four hours or less. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Especially after spending a decade working, you know, like 14, 16, 18 hour days, like, yeah, give me these, give me these short days. Give me the slow 100%. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to pay the bills, I've been focusing on a lot of corporate stuff. Mm -hmm. um, doing a couple big video projects and then, you know, assisting uh, other production companies here in town, just going out shooting stuff for them or, nice. you know, drumming up a few of my own clients. And then I had met my partner Chantel just after the pandemic as well. And she does modeling. And so between the two of us, we've started just doing our own fun passion projects as well. That's okay. how we started the podcast too. We started producing our podcast called Pair of Dinks. Um, <laughs> it's, it really has no agenda it's just us talking like what do we want to talk about this week yeah what do we want to discuss and it's been more of an exercise in getting to know each other in a way that's um, really cool yeah and and so i think that's how my focus has shifted on everything i approach nowadays it's mm -hmm. it's less about how is this going to be something creatively awesome or how is this going to make me rich or how is this gonna you know do something for me um yeah. tangibly and it's more about how can I explore the world and show other people parts of the world? You know, like a lot of my travel photography, I've never really shared either. So I'm working on how do I put this into a book or start sharing it online more and like get people to get out there and see the world. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. There's so many amazing places to, to explore and to see and, from a creative aspect, I always find that I'm the most inspired when I'm in a new location. Yeah. It, it it's just so interesting. It, it just heightens my creativity. My, I'm seeing new things. I'm hearing new sounds. I'm meeting new people and it's not the same as every day. And, and that's not to say that, you know, I take for granted where I live or what I, what I have, but it's just that, there's so many things out there to heighten your creative experience. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then I've, I've felt it too within, at least within the community here in Calgary. Um, a lot of the guys who are doing the commercial filmmaking here don't really have like set experience or a, a background in working on sets and, and they can struggle to light something quickly or to even know how to light it at all mm. or, or struggle with some basic props tricks. Yeah. to make shooting easier. Like I was doing a commercial here and we had a bowl of chips and they were like trying to fill it with literally just like buying bags and bags of chips and fill the whole thing. I'm like, guys, put a towel down there, like top dress it with chips. Yeah. And then you got one bag lasting all day, you know, That's like great. these simple little things that you can do. Um, you know, it's just to make everything more film friendly or to keep a budget down. And mm. it's been really rewarding here being able to share that knowledge with these guys and like, you can see the stress physically dissipate from them, right? Like, yeah. like, oh my God, it's that easy. It can be that simple. Yeah, it really can. Like, don't, don't overinflate this. You yeah. know what you're looking for. Here's how you make it. Got the shot. Move on. Your client will be happy. Like, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I think that's been a more rewarding thing because in Vancouver, it definitely felt like the crews there like to keep knowledge tight, you know, and it's also like, Hey, this is, this is like my client. That's my job. That's my thing. It's been so nice getting, I guess, breaking away from a lot of that union world and union mentality. And everyone is so much more open and sharing. And there's a thirst for knowledge. 
there's a gratitude for having sharing knowledge and like these guys are teaching me stuff too because i don't know a lot of stuff on the other side about working with a client who's a business instead of a client who is a entertainment distributor or you know an experienced executive who's asking you if this or this is possible Mm -hmm. and and that's a lot for me to learn as well It's, it's something great to have that collaborative atmosphere and collaborative spirit with others that you're that you're around and i feel like that at the end of the day just makes everyone everyone better and everyone succeed but also feel more accomplished i always feel great when i've been able to help somebody else get their job done easier or complete their their shoot or help them out in some regard just by even offering a piece of advice mm-hmm. or or a tip or a trick to to just get something done for themselves or for their client and it's it's a rewarding experience to to be able to work with others in that regard and i i have found that some of the bigger productions and the people that i've worked worked with who have worked on those bigger productions have said very similar to what you said that things are kept very tight to the chest and these are our trade secrets and they they shall stay that way yeah it's a very old old school mentality which you know i'm like i understand i guess that worked when you didn't have the internet and you had to physically meet someone to learn something but Mm. like we have the internet now it's it's not knowing how to do it it's knowing that there are eight thousand different ways to do it yeah pick the one that's going to work for you that's right that's right (laughs) like it doesn't matter (laughs) jake after after all of your experience and and everything that you you've gone through if you were starting out again tomorrow, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to somebody? Just start. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah I, I think it's a, a beautifully frustrating thing with our industry is that there's not a lot of, I don't know, rigid protocol or like a, a clear pathway to get where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome because it kind of allows anybody to start from anywhere and then get anywhere else you want. And the most important thing is literally knowing the people, you know, uh, I think a lot of our network, it, it doesn't go online. It's not like you can like LinkedIn search people and find who's the, this or that, um, yeah. even getting, you know, union rosters from people to try and figure out, like, it's not, it's a very word of mouth network, mm-hmm. at least what I found for the people who are like consistently working. It's yeah. like, how do you, how do you get out there? Like, I don't know. I know this guy, he calls me, this guy knows that guy. And they, you know, it's just, and, and it's beautiful too. You know, yeah. I think there's a world right now that wants to formalize everything and wants to make it seem like if you want to do this, you can start with here and have this clear path there. And like, you know, that might work for some industries, but it's really fun and awesome in ours. So it, it doesn't like just yeah. meet someone somehow right. reach yeah. out, you know, like we moved here to Alberta um, or in Calgary specifically. And I knew absolutely zero people mm-hmm. here. I have a cousin in Airdrie. That's the only person I knew in this area. Um, and he works in roofing. So that's not helpful. For, it doesn't really help much. Yes. Yeah. Finding jobs. And and that's all I did. Literally just start reaching out. And I find people who I start with assisting. I think that's a great way to start with your network is to just reach out and see who needs help. Because mm-hmm. there's always people who have too much on their plate. And then it's slowly showing showing them that you're capable. You know, I did a lot of volunteer stuff too. Like the first August we were here, I had nothing going on, no jobs. Yeah. And I was like, cool, this sucks sitting around home, 
but this guy's doing a shoot and maybe I can offer to just shoot some behind the scenes for him. Yeah. Cool. Great. I just show up, hang out. They bought me a lunch, which they didn't even have to do, but awesome. Good people. Yeah. And you know, it's gone on to be like, we've done a bunch of work together. He's hired me to do some shoots. I've hired him to do some editing and other stuff for me too. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I would want anyone starting out to know is that just go out there, be fun to be around, give it your best, help where you can just be there and be awesome. Be a good support. Grab someone a coffee. I don't know. Hold up a stand bring yeah. a camera, shoot some behind the scenes. Like what it, the world is like your imagination is your limit. I guess, to get you started. Perfect. Jake, thank you so much for being here today. Um, if people wanted to find out more about you or your podcast or photography, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram mainly. Uh, it's at jakewarrencreates. And then I've got a website, jakewarren.ca. And our podcast is Pair of Dinks. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or uh, our Instagram that we sometimes put stuff on. It's all at of dinks awesome i'll make sure to put that all in the show notes below so people can can find you guys easily jake again thank you so much it's been it's been such a pleasure chatting with you and learning more about you know the ins of the industry from a, a, a different perspective stay tuned as we continue the conversation where creators learn from creators right thank you james and thanks everyone for listening <laughs>